The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here lie the Arizona Cardinals, who with Cliff and Kyler have the best-looking, flashiest bad team in NFL history. Men this attractive should not die so mm, They are attractive. They are very attractive. It's a good-looking group. It is. Oh, yeah. What up? Hello, hello. Ahmed Farid's here. Chris Sims. And you look so cute in your new glasses. I actually do like them. You like them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think it's an improvement from your normal face. And that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) Yes. No, I really (laughs) do. You can pull it off. It's actually, it's good. Good. We'll keep keep them for the rest of this. Are you going to wear them during the Premier League show or something this week? Do you have the guts to do that? I think they're very English. Like, people would be like, oh, that's very English of you. You're right. I will. Robbie Musto wears them. Okay. I'm going to wear them. All right, good. I think Robbie Musto wears them. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I have the courage to well, do what, that. Well, what, does he got to wear them for you to wear them? I mean, yeah, what, I gotta, if he jumps off the bridge, you'll jump off the bridge? Correct. Correct. I don't, I don't set the trends. I follow the trends. You but just I, follow I, the trends? Although Liam wears glasses sometimes. Yeah, he? he does. Okay. Uh, yeah. I feel like, Doesn't he? I don't, actually, that's a really good question <laughs> that you're saying. I think he, he does. He does, yes. So, Not always, Okay, though. if Liam does it, I, can, I know I can do it. Okay. Because he's been around here a long time. He's lasted. Yeah, yeah. They don't fire you for glasses. Last time I checked, I don't think they're that mean here at NBC. Uh, what's up, everybody? What's going on? You know, rate, review, do all those cool things that you do for a podcast. Help us out. Help a brother out, all right? Um, it's the What the Fuck Happened podcast. That's mm. what we do on a Wednesday. No big fill again. I'm sorry. What is uh, going on here? I don't know. Listen, there's two things. I know last week he legitimately had CBS stuff to do, okay? This okay. week, you don't understand. My dad is the king of scheduling meaningless bullshit to complicate his what life. Yeah. Where to like, I'll be like, Mom, what's dad? Oh, I don't know. He's committed to go over and watch some seven year old he doesn't know at all. And his father asked him if he can come watch, and he's going. And I want to be like, Oh, that's great. He hasn't seen his grandson play a game of anything yet, but he's going over a there to watch him. The person wanted his time, yes. and he said yes. Right, exactly right. So, um, Yes, I don't know where he is. Okay, and so he, when I two, asked him if he could do it today, yeah. I know he had random bullshit scheduled yeah. because he couldn't really get he oh, I oh, I'm just I got a lot to do. I got something here and yeah. I something there. I got one of those answers which means hmm. he doesn't want to tell me exactly what he committed to cuz he knows I'm going to go, "Dad, are you serious? Like yeah. you're going to do that like uh-huh. and complicate your life?" <laughs> right. You know, he's right. just he's the king of that. Right. So, either Maybe, way. Oh, no, no, no. No. It could be Christmas shopping. That that is absolutely not happening. Absolutely not. No, no way. Okay? (laughs) Not at all. My dad's also the type of dad, just while we're on this subject for Christmas, that um, we had a number of Christmas days where he decided to pay the bills 
on Christmas. Like, you know, you open the Christmas presents in the morning yeah. and you have a little Christmas breakfast. Right. And then all of a sudden he decides he wants to check up on what my mom spent during that day to where it became like, like contentious, kind of contentious. Like, Diana, you did this, and we're like, Dad, are you fucking kidding me? It's Christmas. Like the toys you're playing with, you're, you're yeah, hearing about how much like, they it's all cost. Christmas. Or, like, yeah. shut up. Like, he, he's he's, and so that that's that. All right, you got me yeah. off tangent now. So you got me mad I mean, at my this dad. Is part of the reason why maybe he's not showing up here. Maybe there's a little there's a little tension he's going not, on. No, here. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't listen to this either. So, <laughs> all right, all right, everybody. Here we go. We're gonna, we got some things going on today. You're pulling out this trust tree. Yeah, okay? we have a trust tree. Trust tree. We're going into the trust tree. We yeah. got. Requiem for a team. Mm -hmm. I like it. You it haven't was, seen yeah. the movie, but you're doing right. a play on words about Requiem Every for a Dream. Every team that has been eliminated, yeah. I'm going to send them off properly. How okay. they should be. Bury them properly. Bury them properly. With some sort of a pun or a roast or good. something. Good. Okay, I like that. And um, you're funny, so that'll be good. And, and then um, as I burp into the, the microphone... Yep. Uh, let's get into it. We're going to hit, it. you know, Baltimore, Buffalo. I'll just give everybody a preview there. Denver, Houston, Rams, Seahawks, and um, and then we'll get into Trust Tree and all that stuff. So let's do it. So I think the, the Ravens, if we start with uh, what the F happened here with the Ravens and Bills, I think yeah. there's a lot of things that we, we could get into here. Sure. But I think most interesting is uh, did the Bills – I mean, the Bills have one of the best defenses in the, That's in the, right. in the NFL. That's where you start that conversation. Exactly so right. so they're good. And yes. they're going to be able to do things to Lamar – that other teams can't do just uh, because of personnel and scheme and uh, coaching. A hundred percent. Thank so, you. That's so. you have to justify. People always go like, did they crack the code? Well, yeah, but most people can't coach like Sean McDermott or right. coach like a Bill Belichick to cra crack the code that way. So before we get into kind yeah. of what they did and what right. they can do to crack the code, and yeah. if you have the team of the Bills, you can maybe do it. Um, what about the big play for the Ravens? We had Lamar to Hayden Hurst, the 61-yard touchdown. Yes. Really got him going is what they needed at the, at the proper time. Right. So before we get on how the Bills cracked the code of, of Lamar, how yeah. did Lamar finally cracked the code of, of this Bills defense well, that they had so much trouble. Well, I think, right. like, you know, you, you, we bring it up and you bring it up because it, it was the biggest play of that football game. It was 10-6 to 6 at that point. And, you know, it was tough sledding up to that point. Now, yeah, the Baltimore had gotten 10 points, but – on short fields, right? They had an eight-play, 27-yard drive for a field goal to start the game. Uh, they had a five-play, 24-yard drive after a strip sack fumble to score a touchdown. You know, they really played a field position game pretty much the whole game, where Buffalo had a hard time until the second half kind of getting out of their own end there. And we'll talk about Baltimore and their defense because they're special right. that way too, and it's a big part of why they win games. But to that specific play, it is the Lamar Jackson effect. And it goes into, again, you know, the, the, the Buffalo Bills did things in the game just to set up this play specifically where they called the bluff of, of the Baltimore Ravens a bunch of times during the game. Meaning what? Well, meaning like basically like you're not running the ball here. You're going to have to throw it. We're not going to – this look is going to be so absurd to stop the run that you're stupid to even try to run the ball into this, and you better throw it. And they yeah. did that. And I do think that's what teams need to do playing Baltimore as is anyway. Force their hand a little bit. You can't just sit back and like, yeah. oh, we're going to kind of try to stop the run and also kind of try to stop the pass too. So you're I saying most of the game that the Bills were able to, you know, keep the – 
the Baltimore Ravens passing attack in check even while selling out for the run. They definitely were. And this goes into Sean McDermott, too, because he's a master of breaking down pass games and tendencies and what you do in certain formations. And and with this one, too, specifically, okay, there's a little bunch right. It's first and 10 on the 39-yard line. Mm -hmm. And this is what I also noticed. On first downs, Baltimore was – I mean, Buffalo was really calling Baltimore's bluff. Like, we're not going to let you run it up the middle for seven yards so you can get second and three. Like, we're going to try to force you into second and 10, and we're going to put nine guys right at the line of scrimmage, 10 guys right at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, if you get yards, good for you. But they were trying to force them into having at least some passing situations where it's second and 10, second and 12, something like that, right? So it's a first down. It's at the 39-yard line. And Buffalo's in one of those, like, kind of absurd stop-the-run sets. And it's a bunch right to the right with two tight ends, Nick Boyle, the point man is Hayden Hurst, right? The guy who scores the touchdown. And on the outside of that bunch to our right is Hollywood Brown. He's out there, okay? And there's no safety in the middle of the field because they got people all committed down to the to, yeah. the, to the run. And on the left side, there's a receiver sp- split out to the left or a tight end split to the left. I can't remember either way. But there's another corner over there as well. But nobody in the deep middle, no two safeties, no single safety, nothing. Everybody's by the line of scrimmage. So Lamar says set hut, and they run a concept that they run a lot which is three verticals, whether it's at a bunch or any three receivers to one side. And just to paint the picture for everybody, three verticals when you have three guys to one side. One runs almost like a deep cross. Mm -hmm. That's the first vertical. The second vertical is kind of like a seam route. And then the third one on the outside is just like a true go route on the right side. You drew this up exactly like what the Chiefs have done a lot. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. They overdo it. They overdo it, right. And this is a go-to thing for for Baltimore, too. And it's great because it it attacks you. And when you have two tight ends and run the ball the way they do, it it forces teams' hands. So either way, set hut, Lamar gets the ball. And really – the, 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 what really happens here in that bunch set that we talked about, and let's specifically talk about the two tight ends, Hayden Hurst, the point guy, mm-hmm. and then the inside guy in the bunch, Nick Boyle, they are being played by Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And they're basically playing like combo. With the, you know, you combo or in and out, if you want to say it this way in, in NFL terms, which would mean like, yes, we're playing man-to-man, but – we're not going to get crossed up and run into each other. Yeah. So they play it like, hey, you got the first guy who comes inside, and then I'll take the next guy, right? So, so now that kind of goes about, well, uh, Hayden Hurst being the point guy in that bunch, he goes directly inside right away, like right up the – like a deep cross or a post route right up the middle. Anybody just highlight the play, look at the play, Lamar throws. You know, it's, it's an inside vertical route. And Jordan Poyer – who thinks he's going to have Nick Boyle, the inside man of the bunch, right? He's going, I got him, man. I got him, man. He, one, peeks in the backfield at a little bit of a run fake. So that makes him pause. And then he tries to come back and look at his guy, but now they've switched where Hayden Hurst came inside and Nick Boyle now is taking Hayden Hurst's spot to where Micah Hyde's going to cover him. And by the time he kind of reacts, it's too late. Hayden Hurst is gone. Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. He was picked before Lamar Jackson. I think he was like the 22nd pick. I'm not exactly sure. Somewhere in there. But he's a first-round pick because he's a legit talent. Like, he can run high four fives. He's just as fast as Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. And because of that just little misstep and mix-up right there, that led to him being wide open down the middle of the field. Lamar threw a great ball right on target to where he didn't have to break stride. And then he outrun everybody for the touchdown. And that was the biggest play of the game. Because now, 
you're really put in a tough spot if you're the Buffalo Bills. You're at 17-6, and you go, oh, shit. Right. We kind of got to get – we got to kind of throw the ball a lot to come back. And the Baltimore Ravens defense, of course, is special. And they posed a lot of problems for Buffalo in general on that side of the ball anyways. So, I mean, it's again – and we see this a lot with the Ravens. If they bust a big play, it's probably because – do you want to stand up back. and show what, like, they did? You want to show? Like, you know, let's, like, stand okay. up. All right? right. So you but be, they were peeking into the back. I mean, they're peeking into the I don't back. Even, I want you to be Hayden Hurst, right? Okay. And you're, Hurst. So you're, let's go this way. Like, we're going right at the gym. Like, I've you're never, there. I've never got and, to stand And I'm Nick Boyle on the inside of the bunch, right? So okay. Lamar's back over here in the shotgun. Okay. You're Hayden Hurst. I'm yep. Nick Boyle. And then Hollywood Brown's, like, right out here, right? right? That's the right. bunch set. I'm in the middle. Right. And now the two guys over here are going head-to-head against us. But they're talking to each other. And they're going, hey, you got the first guy that goes inside. I got the first guy that goes outside, right? Yep. And then the guy on the outside just playing Hollywood Brown, man-to-man. He's not even involved in this. Okay. So when he says set hut, you go that way. And then I come off your back like this way and go this way. And because of that little just switcheroo right there at the line of scrimmage, the Buffalo Bills' Jordan Poyer uh, messed it up. Just for a second. That's all it was. All, and because all it also takes. because he's sitting there too, and he was he was like this just peeking in the backfield a little, and he saw the little run fake, and he looked at it, took a step in, and right. then when he looked back, it was like, oh, no, they switched, and he was gone, and he couldn't catch up. And, yep. that's, and that's all there was to it. Right. But it's the Lamar effect. It's that offense effect. And it puts you in a bind sometimes in what you want to do in the pass game right. because the run game is so dominant. I appreciate that. I hope you utilize me again. I we will. Up. We will. I like that. I think that's actually a good thing. I don't know why I haven't done it before. I it follow took, directions. It took me to week 15 to that. figure that out. I used to play in high school, and yeah. so I, I do know some concepts. Like right. post, I do know what that is. Yes, right, know, right. So that, that really was uh, – Really so, one of the keys to the game. Okay, so that's how that's how Lamar and that they expanded their lead yeah. there, and it's tough for the Bills to come back, especially the way the uh, the Ravens are playing defense. Yep. Um, but but overall, and you've kind of touched on it, selling out for the run. Yes. For the for the Bills is what they did. Yes. But but even doing that, Lamar, teams have done that to Lamar in the past. Yes. And right. He's still gotten his. He only had 40 yards rushing uh, in this game. Did go over a thousand. Uh, on the year, still 23 short of Michael Vick for that single-season record. But anything more specifically that the Bills did that other teams can say, okay, maybe that's something that we can think well, about. Well, I do think you can call the bluff. Like I said, I don't think teams have called the bluff quite as aggressively as what Buffalo did. Because he can beat you through the air a lot of he times. He can. He like. definitely can. And, you know, hey, when, when they would play, let's say, three tight ends, one running back, one wide receiver, they would basically just go – Hey, corner over there, you got that receiver. We're putting everybody else down at the line of scrimmage. You're going to stop the run. Like, it's all on you. If it was two receivers, two two tight ends, and one back, they did a lot of that too. They just said, you know what? We're going to play, like, off the two receivers, play inside a little bit. Maybe you throw a pass on us, but you're not going to gash us up the middle for a 10-yard run and just, like, obliterate us that way. So that was one of the big things. Plus, as you've mentioned already, Buffalo has talent on defense. They're talented. I mean – they have everything on the defensive line, size, speed, uh, you know, versatility, yeah. depth. You they noted, have two, two linebackers that are freakish. Ed Oliver didn't even start. Yeah, right. Ed Oliver didn't even start because they wanted to start out bit with their big people and Phillips and uh, Starlot Delele. Interesting. And, and um, the two middle linebackers are extremely athletic. N- really, all three of them are. Uh, you know, number 57, Alexander is amazing, too. So they have those three. But the other thing, too, to where – you know, okay, call the bluff and do those things and crowd the line of scrimmage. Yes, they did it more aggressively maybe than most teams in football, certainly more aggressive than the 49ers did the week before. But the other thing I would say is this, too. They were really aggressive 
in their movements versus the motions pre-snap. And without me getting too overly technical here, but anybody envision the Baltimore offense, right? It's blue 45, and all of a sudden the guy goes in motion. And then it's blue 45, and now that guy that's went in motion is coming back, and it's set hut, and he fakes it to him going across the field. And then it's, whoa, he fakes it to Ingram up the middle. And then, bam, he's on the edge versus, you know, uh, him and, and, and a lead blocker on the edge. And all of a sudden it's Lamar Jackson sure. with the ball with a lead blocker in front of him. Well, like, Buffalo was amazing. I'm going to jib it one more time. All right, John McDonald? Do you need me for this I don't this need one? you for oh, this one. But they were amazing at, like, and I can't even tell you all the calls and things they were doing. But if I'm like Tremaine Edmonds, okay, the strength of the formation was over here. And then it was like the motion was going this way. And they were like, ah, and he would move over here to get over here. And then the motion would go back and they would check it. And they had so many moving parts right. that, you know. Communicating. Communicating. And I don't know if all defenses can pull that off because Sean McDermott is one of the best defensive coaches in all of football. Right. And Greg Roman did that a lot in San Francisco yes. when I was there with Colin Kaepernick. And what teams would do with Colin Kaepernick, what I think was really effective against him, is that a lot of times they would – they would make him pay. They would hit Colin Kaepernick because a lot of times he's a runner. Yes. And the NFL will officiate running quarterbacks a little differently than they do passing quarterbacks. Yes. Say, even if the quarterback doesn't have the ball, there were times there at the end where hit Colin him. Kaepernick was handing the ball off. Right. And it was clear he was handing the ball off. Right. The defense, you're right, was still hitting him um, and getting away with it because he's so dangerous as a runner. You're like, ah, oh, he's in the running game. I think you're going to see more and more of this. You know, you heard why this week. We well, you, I, you know, I, I don't know why, but you're right. That's really the big question. Why haven't we? And it's getting towards the time of the year where, you know, it's going to be them playing elite teams. It's going to be teams who are desperate for playoff spots they got to play against, who are fighting for their lives that way, who are going to start going, you know what, the strength of their teams at Lamar Jackson, if they want to run him, then let's make them pay for it. Let's, yeah. And, you know, you heard Earl Thomas this week talk about they're attacking his legs. Yeah, of course they are. Any chance defenses are getting, coaches right now are actually going to, they're going to tell their guys, like, hey, we're not trying to break the rules. We're not trying to hurt the guy. But we got to start making them pay. If they want to run their franchise guy 25 times or 20 times a game, then we need to make them pay for it. And I think that's what you will see. Two yeah. other things that I just want to yeah. just hit on. You know, one thing that, that jumps out to me, you know, more than anything, and this kind of just came about while I was watching film, like, is anyone going to get Baltimore behind in a football game? You know, that's the big thing. In this nine-game win streak, nobody's gotten them behind. Like, they're, they're always playing from a position of power. It's always they're in the lead. They're dominating the game flow. Yeah. When they lost their two games, you know, especially to Kansas City early, all right, that game was Kansas City jumped out on them and made them play a game that they weren't comfortable in playing, which was like, whoa, we're down 23-6, to six, and now we can't, like, rely on the run game and do yeah. all that. And then the next week, the Cleveland Browns, didn't jump on them the same way, but at least got them in a position that, oh, wow, you're not going to just be able to, like, bludgeon us in the run game either, where they got up 24 to 10 and made them play a game that they didn't want to play. But nobody's been able to do that since. Yeah. And uh, I just find that interesting. They play from ahead, and they play in very favorable down and distance situations. A hundred percent. That's what you said, which was different about this game at times when the Bills getting them in third and long and second and long. Right. They're just they're they're always in positive field position, positive down and distance. A hundred percent. Game score. That's where I think like going forward and and we'll move on you know from this side of the ball or wherever you want to go after this. But yeah. going forward, you know I think the one thing that Baltimore has to look at because I do think people are going to start to replicate some of the things that the Buffalo Bills did. 
what they did specifically after they started to realize, like, oh, shit, like, we're not going to run against them today. They're good and they're well coached and we're not. They finally said, okay, stop. We're going to stop playing this phone booth game. Let's start to spread them out yeah. and see if we can just dink and dunk pass and get them spread out and maybe give ourselves a little more room for their run game in that way. I think that's the next aspect they need to work on specifically just in case they do get behind in the playoff game or something like that. Sure. He's yeah. tough to stop. Lamar Jackson, tough to stop. And I know we've had the discussion, you and Mike, uh, debated back and forth on Vic and Lamar. I mean, he's going to break Vic's single-season rushing record next game. He's got 23 yards to go here. I was looking at something. PFF was uh, talking about those two quarterbacks, and I, I saw Michael Vick play, and I saw him play a, a little bit in college because I was there living in Virginia. Yeah, right. Like Virginia Beach area. What's your thoughts? He was so dynamic. He, he was special. I know. He's a different – I mean, they're both different kinds yeah, of athletes. Right. I think Lamar's more physically imposing than, uh, than Michael Vick. But I was, I was looking at this, PFF said yeah. that Vic, the year that he broke the rushing record, right. had 49 designed runs. Yeah. Um, already this year, Lamar has 160. Exactly right. Uh, that, that's so, I, they tried to make Michael Vick, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Correct. Yeah. Right. And I, that doesn't work. Correct. Baltimore said, no, you're not, pay, you're not you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. We're going to make you fucking Lamar Jackson. Yes. And they went all in on that. Yeah. And that did a disservice. Vic had them. a strong arm. You know, he, he was a good, pretty good passing quarterback when he was right. You know, right. he was able to get some guys open. But they just could have used him, I think, so much better. A hundred percent. And they were kind of going that way a little bit. And then, of course, his off-the-field dog incident happened and it yeah. kind of ruined. They were starting to dabble in it a little bit. Um, but, hey, to your point, which I think you're kind of chickening out and trying not saying right now. Like Michael Vick, I I, I will, loved watching Michael. Vick. I know I, Michael Vick is a better athletic specimen than I, Lamar Jackson. I I'm, so I'm going to say. I mean, how much bigger is Lamar than Vick? He's, he's not. Like, he's not. That he's much not bigger. as. He's not as thick as Michael. He's yeah. a little taller and maybe a little a hair more muscular, like a wiry muscle. Yeah. But Michael Vick, look but at his right. ass and legs. I Mike. would say, as a physical, athletic, imposing runner, flashy. Who can make the most exciting plays? I would take Michael Vick over Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna say I got to see Michael Vick in person. All right, a few times I played against him. Um, let's see, I think I was, I was two and one against Michael. Okay. Vick. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah, probably, yeah. uh, it wasn't because of me. All right, but he was the fastest, one of the fastest people I ever saw on an NFL field. Right. When my eight-year career, and I was on the field with Joey Galloway and CJ2K and other. His speed rivaled theirs. It was that fast. Now, Lamar is really fast, but I don't think he's as fast as, as Michael Vick, nor do I think his arm is as strong as Michael Vick. Both. Now, we'll see. Lamar's doing awesome, and he's yep. got a perfect fit around him. And we'll he's never a, know. We'll yes. never quite know. It's like the uh, LeBron versus Jordan yes. debate. Yes. It can go on forever but, with no answer. But the big story of this game, just okay. to go back, is the Baltimore defense. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's, we just got to get to that. Because so their defense has progressively gotten better. It has. As the year has gone on. Right. Um, you you mentioned, uh, a Dan, you said, damn okay in there. Can I play the song just one second? If you want it, sure. I want to get it. Every, yeah. every show, we got to get it in. Damn. I'm okay. Damn, I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I'm okay. The legal gambleizing. Oh, I baby, I am Crimson. Okay. Damn. <laughs> I didn't okay. even realize I said it. Illegal gambleizing. Illegal, <laughs> illegal gambleizing. Oh, uh, Matt Judon. Yeah. Another damn okay. Yeah. Because we've talked about, we've given him love on this. Grand Valley State beast. University from right. my side of Michigan there. Right. Uh, he had two sacks. You know, he had more quarterback pressures. He's got 28 quarterback hits, fourth most in the NFL. So, Matt Judon. Yes. 
is becoming a superstar in, in the game. Would, would you put him in that category, developing into a superstar type player? I think, I, I think that's fair to say. You're, Deve not, no, you're not there yet. Developing there yet. was your key word. Okay. I don't want to call him a – no, I will say this. He's a physical dominant presence. You know, when I think about superstar, you got to start making, like, game-changing plans like and plays every other week. But he's, he's certainly a guy that when I turn on the film, I go, there's that big fucker on the edge just ruining run plays. And, yeah. you know, you, nobody can move him back in the run game. And, of course, he does pop in the pass uh, as far as, you know, rushing the passer every game too. But they just have special people. And I know you've heard me say, I mean, yeah, anybody out there, go look at the size of the Ravens' D line. You know, whether it's Chris Wormley, Justin Ellis, Brandon, Peer Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce. I mean, that, you know, they got more man meet in the middle than any team in football and then they got these great corners and I think just the synopsis of this side of the ball they physically dominated the Baltimore Ravens especially in the pass game and showed them absolutely no respect at the wide receiver position no respect like just said like I again I'm sorry for my language but they really just said fuck you we're gonna get in your face and there's no way you John Beasley I mean John Brown or Cole Beasley are gonna beat me Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey and for the most part they delivered throughout the day I think Baltimore went into the game with two goals we're not gonna let like the run game eat away at us like Devin Singletary and do that because when you do that against Buffalo it does make their play action and boot game very hard to stop mm -hmm. so they they did that and then their second thing was crowd the line of scrimmage so Josh Allen can't run anywhere and do anything magical that way because that's where a lot of his big plays come from too. So those were the two things that jumped out to me uh, more than anything and of course they have the talent uh, in the secondary and the big guys and then the creativity with the coaching on the defensive side of the ball to really screw over uh, offensive game plans. So next up for the Bills. Yeah is Sunday night football Whoa! at Pittsburgh. Buffalo for the first time in Sunday night in 12 years. Damn. So, okay. So I so, remember it, too. 2007 Patriots game. Really? Yeah. What was, the final, what was the final uh, score? I don't know the final score. It was kind of one. 56 to 10. Oh, I know you the Patriots one. He, he did just tell me the just, Patriots one, though. They went undefeated that year, so they, oh, that, yeah, was, that, easy, was, that was an easy one. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just checking. This will be an interesting game this week. You think? A hundred percent. So where do, we, where do we think the Bills where, are? I want to know who are you going to pick to win that game, because I don't ever get to hear you pick games, at, and I would yeah. like to know. At right now, Bills, at, Pittsburgh Steelers, yep. number three defense in football versus the number five defense in football. Who are you going to take? I have, you know, Devlin's been good. He's been better than people thought. Yeah. I, I would take, I would feel comfortable taking the Bills um, just because I feel like maybe they found a little something with Devin Singletary. You know, he's yeah. got 89 uh -huh. yards. They're leaning on him a little bit more. Right. They need something on offense. I do think they have, you know, Josh Allen's magic ability. So. You're going Bills. I would go Bills good. just because I have more faith in their defense than I do the the Pittsburgh defense, and I have more faith in Josh Allen making a big play. Okay. Than Hodges. Yeah, I mean, listen, I look at the defense as being like a, a scratch. Like, they're both awesome, right? They're both awesome. They're both really well coached. I think the second thing you said is correct. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills, too, because I just think I just, I'm going to put a little more faith in their offense and Josh Allen than I am in Devlin Duck Hodges and the Pittsburgh offense right now. I, I'm actually really excited for this game. I love these that type is, of games. Yeah. It's going to be physical. It's going to be 16 13 or 19 17, something like that. 
Uh, but that's all there is to it. I mean, anything else you want to hit on as far as... That, by the way, that game's got a 36-and-a-half over-under, lowest in the NFL this season. So there you go. They're expecting a 19-17 type game, like I just said. Yeah, I get it. And it, uh, Pete just got in my ear and said the, uh, the Steelers are favored by two points as of right now. Ooh, but, okay. Uh, so we're going, up, we're going with the underdog. Yeah, we are I'm going with the with underdog. Um, okay, so all right, anything, anything else, else you want? I don't think so. Um, we hit it all. Yeah. Josh yeah, Allen, I think we're good. Know, they, they, Kept him uh, in check. Okay. Poor Josh Allen, though. Man, did he take a beating. Woo. So Josh Allen's a, a, a young quarterback, though. He took a beating, but I think he's a promising young quarterback. He definitely is. Shows a lot of big plays and has that kind of Brett Favre-like knack for yep. just making something out of nothing. 100%. Another quarterback, young quarterback, a rookie Ooh. quarterback who is uh, popping now, getting the opportunity to play and taking full advantage is Drew Locke. Yes, sir. He did it on the road against Houston, a defense that – stymied Tom Brady and the Patriots recently here until the last three possessions where they scored three touchdowns. We'll get into that in a second. But Vic Fangio said this, quote, to do that in his first road start against a team that's going to be in the playoffs makes it even better. That is the highest praise that Vic Fangio has given anyone ever because he's kind of a tough guy. Oh, he is. He's definitely a tough um, guy. Yes, 100%. He was really good. Over 300 yards, three touchdowns. So, and you can you can kind of gloat a little bit too because you've been super high on. I was super high on him before no the draft. You said he was better than Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> right, so taking him before Dwayne Haskins. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I liked him before Daniel Jones. Uh, you would have taken him before Daniel. Jones. I would have, and you know, hey, Daniel Jones proved me wrong, so I was wrong about no, that I, one. But, but I don't think so. I, I do. He proved you wrong. I do. Not yeah. on not on taking him before you. you oh well, maybe not before Drew Locke. You're right. That's you what, would that's still what, take But Daniel Locke. Jones has still been better than what I expected, yes. and, and I was wrong. I, I can say that. But, but, Drew, but Locke, Drew Locke is for real. Drew Locke is for real. Just, you know, from what I've seen, and again, it's two games. I think, okay, this is the first thing I want to say about this. Not only do I think Drew Locke's for real, his talent's for real. So impressed with his poise in the pocket. Made so many big throws with people around him or people in his face. And he's going to kind of got to throw a big ball uh, off his back foot or fading away, which is life in the NFL for just about every quarterback in the game, except for maybe a handful of guys that have had great pass protection or whatever else. Most of everybody else, you know, the, the pocket's never perfect. You've got to make like off you know, rhythm type of throws, and he's very capable of that. But his talent shows itself. He has a special arm. That's what I liked about him. He can throw it, you know, a million different ways, sidearm, over the top, whatever it may be. When he wants to throw a 102-mile-per-hour fastball, he can hum it in there. And he has great touch, too. And then what I also love, just before we get into a little of the game, is, man, with him, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, yes. Cortland Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick, uh, even Deshaun Hamilton, like really, Denver fans have something to be really excited about right now with that group. That is a young core of guys that all those guys I just mentioned are no more past their second year in the NFL. So just think about that in the future. That's special. If I put you on the spot right now, yeah. Denver's five and eight this year. Yeah. Chargers five and eight. Oakland six and seven. You got Kansas City atop the AFC West. Yes. Four. Denver. Next year, Denver. You would put Denver second solidly in that division. I am going as we stand right now. Yes, because I think the defense has some young, sneaky talent too. And I know Vic Fangio, and they still got. Let's not forget. Arguably, their best player on their team is not out there in Bradley Chubb. I mean, Bradley Chubb, is, he was in that conversation for best player on their team. He's not even there. So that's freaking scary. 
I mean, they're um, probably the second best team in the in the division this right year. now. <laughs> now you think about so it, you're right. Games and, yeah. You're right. Yeah, they just couldn't find their way, and they, you know, of course, they couldn't play Drew Locke early on because he was hurt and all those things. But I think my my big thing there, and we kind of hit it, is just. Hey, you know, his talent as far as Drew Locke and his arm is a game-changing arm. It really is. He can make throws where you'd go one half of the league's not going to try that throw. Maybe the bottom 22 quarterbacks in football aren't going to try the throw, but he's going to make it and not only make it, but like put it right on the money to where you go, whoa, that like if uh, let's just say Andy Dalton threw it, it was going to be an interception. Drew Locke threw it in there for a strike and it went for a 60-yard gain. And that's the difference to me. It's minute sometimes, but it's that type of ability that can change a game or change a team for the season. And uh, hey, the Texans, this is what's weird about the Texans defense. Before too. you get into the Texans D, real yeah. quick, you mentioned no fan. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a tight Stud. end that has a chance to be one of the top five offensive tight ends in that he cut uh, off. Uh, 100%. Four of his targets, 113 yards, 100%. and a lot of it was he was being battled at the line. I think in his touchdown he was he was battled at the line right. to get off. Yes, and then he made the little post move. Made a little post move, and he threw a laser in it, and he like he right. just kind of catched it with somebody kind of around him and hands, and he catches it. And you were high on Noah Fant going into the draft. Yes, I think at times you had Noah Fant over. Early Hawkinson. on, I put him in front of Hawkinson. Like when I first watched them, I was like, ooh, I really like the top end ceiling in Noah Fant. He's shown more. He's shown than more. And this well, year so yeah, far. and then Hawkinson got hurt. He did get hurt. Hawkinson was a more developed run blocker. Fant is still a little bit of a work in progress there but the will and want to's there which is all I need to see when I see will and want to I go oh because he's got talent and strength and all that so the rest is going to come yeah. Uh, so yeah I, I really like Noah fan I'm glad you made me hit on it hit on him and he was able to beat a Texans D who I'm telling you a couple weeks ago we did the we talked about the Patriots and uh, yeah and the Texans and at the end of the game right. I said I was like, I don't know. What, do we read anything into it? The Texans were up big, and then the Patriots scored those three touchdowns. I was like, maybe they got tired because the Patriots ran like 80-some plays that right. game. And I, I do know one person came at me on Twitter and goes, come on, dude, they were way up, and they let the foot off the gas, and that's all it yeah. was. And I mean, that's likely to be most sure, of Sure, but they're but all over the place all year, to your point. Then here you go, and you give up 38 points to, to Drew Locke, who was very good, and they got some talent there, but the Denver hasn't been doing that to every team no, no. in the NFL this year. No, so it, what, it, what's going on with that defense? Well, it's, it's what's been going on all year. It's just, you know, again, let's not forget that Romeo Cornell came from New England. Like, nobody knows New England's offense better than the Houston and Texans coaching staff. Yeah. So there is something to that in that game, okay? So you have to take that. Now, all the other games have shown moments of blown assignments, uh, little details being mixed up, you know, like in this game. One of Noah Fan's biggest catches of the game where he is – He's blocking a guy who's kind of covering a man-to-man, but they're the, the outside linebacker's too aggressive, and he kind of fakes blocks him, and then he releases up the middle of the field, and nobody's covering him, and he's wide open. And it's a big chunk, big chunk of yardage there. There's just too many missed uh, or blown little assignments in their pass defense at times. I think they do try to do too much at times on the defensive side of the ball. And then they just don't have a fierce pass rush that they can rely on, like, with J.J. Watt and yeah. Jadeveon Clowney, who could kind of cover some of those holes the last few years. And, yeah. and then I think that's really their, their biggest issue. I, w I do want to hit on the Houston No real quick. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that doesn't happen to them either. No, it I mean, does they not. Don't, they don't get held back. And it was 38-3 to before they came back and scored late. Um, 
we, we talked about before the receivers. And yeah. They're so fast. Right. And, and William Fuller was not out there once again. You can't play him one-on-one. So right. You still have um, Stills and you still have Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre did have a big game. Yeah. So yeah. they didn't really contain him. But did you see anything that they did schematically? I mean, was it more zone? Was it more soft zone for them? What was it? Yeah, they're a zone defense. That's what they want to do. They're a zone defense primarily that's going to dabble in man-to-man just in certain situations or formations where they feel like, ooh, we know what they kind of run here and we'll play man here because I've coached my guys up what to think or what to do. But they really want to play zone. That's what Vic Fangio has always been. Um, Vic Fangio, the other thing that he has always been famous and what I love about him because he likes big dudes up front, too, he keeps his safeties back for the majority of games. He basically calls your bluff early on and goes, uh, I think my front seven can stop your run. I don't need to bring an extra safety in or do any of that. Yeah. And then until you prove otherwise, then he'll adjust. So, therefore, like, play action passes and things like that are not always there against Fangio because he always keeps the safeties in the quarters or a two deep to where they're never up by the line of scrimmage and doing anything. They're never compromised that, like that way. It's like that Kobe thing. Remember that where the, they were taking the ball out of bounds? Was it Matt Barnes? And, and then the he, ball in his face and yeah, he didn't flinch he didn't, at all? Yeah, right. That's like Vic Fangio on the play. Exactly right. He's like, well, you know, okay, I can adjust to stop in the run if you yeah. run it up the middle for eight or nine yards on me a few times. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to – we might lose the game if I got everybody by the line of scrimmage and throw a bomb over my house, house you know, over my head twice a game. Yeah. Then we lose. It's going to be 14 nothing. So, to me, that is the right way to play it this day and age in the NFL. They're talented on the Broncos' defense. Some Let's prop, not forget that. Some props to Kareem Jackson. 100%. Give Kareem. it to him. Pass defenses, yeah. uh, Justin Simmons, their free safety, both played all 80 snaps. Yep. Simmons hasn't missed a snap all year. He's played every he's, he's snap. He's a really good player and has versatility. He can cover, he can play the deep third, middle, and the safety thing. Kareem Jackson, come on. Had a fumble return for a touchdown, got an yeah. interception, re- interception, and then like almost knocked DeAndre Hopkins' head off one time. That was, it was like the trifecta of perfectness for him probably to come back and be like, hey, up yours, Houston. You know, thanks for letting me get away. I'm so glad that Vic Fangio is having a good good run as a head coach because it took him so long it to did. get that. And he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers when I was there. So well-respected, you know, and I – I really like these old school coaches in an era in almost every sport where it's the new age. Young, we gotta get young, the Nong next guy. Relate, I, we can relate with the current players better. I love the fact that Vic Fangio is having success. I'm with you, uh, and with especially some of the losses they had early on yeah. in the year that were so close and heartbreaking that way. Like, yeah, Vic's Vic's a hell of a coach. I hope he has a run of like five more years and they make the playoffs a couple times. I I, 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 like I think there's a there's a lot to look at there. Okay, and then there's the last thing I want to say. Okay. Yeah, to what you said first off, I just want to hit on that. They didn't give them one-on-one opportunities. They really didn't. That was very limited. So they weren't. They came into the game and were like, eh, they probably looked at New England a little bit and like, oh, okay, we're not going to do that. We're not going to just let Deshaun Watson throw bombs one-on-one on a guy. And DeAndre Hopkins is the kind of guy, too, that's even when he's covered down the field, he still can catch the ball or you get a pass interference or whatever it is. So he limited those opportunities, okay? Deshaun Watson did not have his best game. I thought Deshaun – reverted a little back to what I saw early in the year in the preseason where he stays on the first receiver too long. Like he thinks like, hey, all week coach said this was my first read and he was open during practice. And wait, he's not open now? What is going on? And it's like, no, he's not open. And just because you keep patting the ball doesn't mean he's going to come open. So get on to the next guy. There was some of that. Um, And, hey, really, a lot of times we overanalyze all of this stuff in football. You know, 
Not, not on this show, but people do outside of this Well, show. even me, but because it, we can, I can simplify. Like I'm watching Bill Belichick and Nick Saban last night, and like Belichick, he's talking about like a lot of NFL games just come down to one play. Yeah. It's in a, it might yeah. be in the middle of the fourth quarter. It might be the last play of the game. But it comes down to one play. And, you know, we make too big of a difference. Like, oh, this team is so much greater. And I'm going to be like, oh, they're like three plays greater than that team. And it's not yeah. as great as we think. This is not college football where, like, yeah. one team has, you know, 20 NFL players and the other team doesn't. We do, so, we do fall into the trap of whichever team loses, we look at all the things that went wrong. Exactly, them, right. team wins, we look at everything that's going exactly. right. Great, right, right, right. And I fall in that trap, too. It's just, it's human. But, hey, the game's 7 nothing. The Houston Texans are driving down the field. They're in field goal ter- territory. Kute or Kiki Kute or Kute or I yeah. can't say his damn name. Kuti. Kuti, exactly. Right? No, I think it's Kuti. Yeah. He fumbles. They pick it up for a 70-yard touchdown. It's 14-0. Yeah. Okay. Houston gets the ball back. They go six and out. Yeah. Denver puts another good drive together. It's 21-0. Yeah. Okay. Now, they go down the field. They kick a field goal. Denver answers with a field goal. So, it's 24-23. The Texans, 24-3, excuse me. Thank you for keeping track of my math. Texans have the ball again. Now they're driving. It becomes fourth and two in their own territory. They go for it because they're down by 21 in the first half. Maybe they shouldn't have, but I understand because your defense is getting torn apart and he goes, I mean, we just got to force the issue. Ball gets tipped on fourth down. Short field for the Broncos. They score another touchdown, 31-3. The game's over. Snowballed. It's, it's over. Snowballed exactly right. Effect. It's a snowball. So I, like, That fumble return for a touchdown, I call that a Detroit Lion play because that happens once every game to them when it seems like they're actually putting something together. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and it totally changes it, the I whole mean, momentum. I mean, it changes the, the whole momentum, the, the, the structure of the game, how one coach wants to call it, how they have to call it on defense all of a sudden because you start to get desperate, so you want right. to force something to happen. All of those things, and, and like to what you're saying, it's the snowball effect. So now you got Tennessee and you have Houston atop the AFC South. Uh, really weird. They play each other two Twice. times in the last three games. So they That'd haven't be real. played yet. They played this Sunday at Tennessee, and then week 17, they're at Houston. And in between, the Texans have at the Bucks, which is not a gimme. Of course not. With that pass defense against the Bucks, the Bucks might throw for 700 yards in that game. The Titans are at home in their Week 16 game, but, but it is against the, the Saints. Saints. Yeah. I know this is amazing. This right here, and they can beat the Saints too. So they, I mean, that goes both ways. That's dangerous. That's, I'm, I'm excited to watch the, both of those teams Tennessee, fight it out down Tennessee the stretch. Is a good story. We'll t- I, I want they to are. Yeah, we'll hit. We'll hit on that a little bit. Tannehill, but another good story. Yeah. Who I didn't know that it would be a good story like three or four weeks ago. Right. Is the, is the Rams. Yeah. And they're offense and, right. and the resurgence of Sean McVay. We started to doubt Sean McVay. We're right. like, well, what, what, he, what he did his first, you know, few games and, and years, maybe it was a little bit of the league didn't know about him. Now they found out about him and now they can stop him. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they can't. I mean, they still have a really good defense beating Seattle. Yes, they do. Um, but this is a team that has been fueled the last couple games by Todd Gurley again. I think we have yep. a, a graphical representation of that for our YouTube audience about about Todd Gurley, and, and they have fed him the ball. It was his first you know, two years in the league, and you see it there for the YouTube audience. 2017 through week 15 to 2018, he was getting 23 touches a game, 135 yards from scrimmage per game. Hurts his knee, comes back yep. in the playoffs, they don't use him that much. No. 15 touches per game all the way through week 12 of this year. 15 touches per game in that span, 64 yards. Last two weeks, back to 24 touches a game, more than he was getting in the right. beginning the last couple of years, 2017, yeah. 2018. So right. 
what's going on? Is it a matter of he looks healthy and Sean McVay is like, all right, let's ride him? Or did they go, why aren't we riding him? We need to I, see what he has. I think that. I think they finally like hit the the like the bright light went on to when go like, what are we saving him for? I don't get it. I mean, what what, what what's the point? And yeah. like this is gonna sound insensitive to me, but. You know, he's not the same person he was like in 2017 or 2018 before the injury. He's not, but he's still really good. He's just not the superstar he was before that knee injury to where I went, ooh, that hole there, that's a 70-yard touchdown with 2017 Todd Gurley, and now it's just a 20-yard run, all right? And there's nothing wrong with that. He's still really good and effective, like I said, but also I think the Rams realize, like, hey, we're paying him $14 million a year. Fuck it. Let's run him into the ground. I mean, that's why we gave him the money. Yeah. What are we saving him for? To where, like, you know, I don't know, we get an extra year out of his career? Like, so I think they came to that realization. So they have definitely gotten back to that. Plus, they just had two great matchups. Now, again, Sean McVay has definitely found a groove. He's changing formations a little bit more and changing personnel sets a little bit more, which I like. Hmm. That was the one thing he had to do. They were a little too complacent in what they were doing. You know, and they went through a lull. I think he went through a lull, too. Hey, they had to play the Ravens and the Steelers. And, I mean, those defenses are real. You know, what he got the last two weeks is the Seahawks, who, you know, everybody still thinks the Seahawks are like the 2013 Seahawks. And I just got to remind everybody, the Seahawks are the 26th-ranked defense in football. And I think the 49ers game where they went on this, like, defensive explosion in that Monday night football game has, like, kind of everybody thinking, like, that defense is still real good. Like, I I have people, and I know Pete and I were talking about this in lunch today, like, where people still think they're, like, the Seahawks, the defense. And I want to be like, no, it's not. It's the offense. It's about the offense right now. You know, um, and especially – all right, so here's what I want to get to. With the Rams offense. Rams offense. Certainly running the ball more, more formations like I talked about. You know, I do think the bootleg, the play-action pass game, the screens, all that, he's doing a great job of tying that all together with the new personnel sets and the formations and all that too. It seems like they've they've run the screen and all that stuff pretty much most of the season though, right? I mean, Jared Goff's been a dump kind of dink and they haven't really. Lately it's gotten back to a little bit more like wide receiver screens in the Arizona game. They went to them a whole lot more. It wasn't as many in this game. This game, um, the bootleg, they came out with that in the run game. But the big thing was this, Ahmed, from the run game. And this could rear its head this week in the matchup they have against the Dallas Cowboys. So when I watched the film, and I watched that this morning, I came away and went, oh, this is what the Rams did to the Cowboys in the playoff game last year. And it's the same defensive scheme. And the Rams, if you remember, in that playoff game last year, had 200-yard rushers. C.J. Anderson rushed for 130 yards, and I think Gurley rushed for, like, 115. And it's because, because, wait for it, wait for it, neither one of these defenses do enough. They don't do anything. They play three-deep zone, or they play little man, or they play Tampa 2. Yeah. And when you do that against Sean McVay, and this is kind of what happened to Arizona, too. Arizona was a little too, like, predictable – you're going to get screwed. Sean's too smart. So what they really did, without me getting too technical here, is they ran at the bubble the whole game. What's the bubble? The bubble is the shade nose. All right? So let's stand up, and I'm going to use you again. I get to be used again. Okay. Right? The shade so nose. You're there, you be the nose tackle, okay. and I'm the center. Do I right? get in like a four-point right. stance? Yeah, no, you don't have to get there. But the shade nose is like this guy who's on like the shoulder edge of the center, okay. right? I'm not standing right in front of you. I'm standing Just to a little shoulder. to the shoulder. Okay. And now there's a, usually the guard who's uncovered, right? And then there's a guy outside head up on the tackle. So they ran at this bubble. That's why we call it the bubble. The whole game. 
That's basically what they did. And they ran the plays they wanted to run at that bubble. And they made sure they got to run the bubble no matter what. So, you know, sometimes you think, well, why doesn't Seattle set it up the other way and put the three technique out there and put the bubble there? Well, that's great. But what Sean McVay did is he goes, well, they're going to play one of those two fronts. If they if the bubble's here, then I'll tell the tight ends to shift over here. And now we're getting our strength against the bubble again. And we have numbers in the run game and the guards uncovered. So now he can hit you and go free up to the the linebacker. And they screwed him with run game design because of their predictability. Hmm. So now Seattle is forced to oh, do some different things with their linebackers and safeties because they're worried about that. And then you know what happened? Oh, hey, fuck you. Look, there's a bootleg. He's wide open. Oh, play action pass. He's wide open. And that's really, to me, was the theme of the game, let alone I worry about Seattle's defense. I've worried about them almost the whole year. Uh, You know, I I don't know if we've talked about them on every podcast, but I've said it on Paul a bunch of times. They've gotten blown up in some big games. They can't cover. They can't cover. And if they don't have Clowney at 100% and Ezekiel Anza, it's a big issue because they need their D-line to dominate and screw things up, right? My old fuck the play up stat, right? Yeah. They need that to save their secondary. And here's their last problem. They don't have enough corners. I mean, they they don't have enough corners. Nico Thorpe was hurt for the game. They played a game with three corners. And really for the most of the game, I'm Ahmed. The Rams put out four wide receivers sometimes, and the Seattle Seahawks were playing four defensive linemen and three linebackers versus it. Right. I mean, you're just not going to – this is the NFL 2019. You're not going to stop Sean McVay and Jared Goff and Woods and Cooks and Cooper Cup and Hunter Higby sure. with four down linemen and three linebackers versus that. That's you're, you're, uh-huh. crazy. That's insane. So you can't play them man-to-man in that set because you can't ask some linebacker to cover Robert Woods. That's not fair. So now there you're playing zone. You're definitely playing zone. And you're playing Tampa 2 or 3-deep zone. Right. And Sean McDay is going to know that, and he's going to tear you up. So uh, you, uh, the Seahawks sit here at 10-3. and three, They have and, flaws. And I think that – They're in the lower class of the upper class. So the we've seen Russell Wilson. I think that's why he's in the MVP conversation is because that defense has had some vulnerabilities. Right. And so they've had to throw up 40 points a game. Exactly. Uh, for, for them to, to compete. But they've still – you know, they're still there. Uh, 10 and 3, but some vulnerabilities. They yeah. had won five going into the game. Right. You just feel like when they face a guy like Sean McVay or, or a team with a, as solid of a defense with Aaron Donald. Right. As and a diverse defense that changes things and does game plans specifically. That's the first thing I noticed when I turned on the Rams defense. You're not picking, yeah. The Rams defense versus the Seahawks offense. Like the first thing I noticed was like, well, I mean, look at all these formations and different yeah. things they do on that side of the ball. They're so much different than Seattle. They give their guys a competitive schematical advantage. So you're not picking the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl. That's I'm getting that. I'm getting. <sighs> it that would have to right be there. the right matchups, and I think their defensive line would have to dominate a game, to where I haven't seen them consistently do that yet. So I can't say that. No, like when I look at you know the NFC again, I think they're a pain in the ass. But do I think they're in the class of San Francisco or New Orleans? No, I do not. I think they're in the next group down there. Uh, I really, I really do. I'm and sensing that you're gonna, you're gonna predict them to get an uh, early upset, early be upset. Well, early, like if they had a the like, matchup. I mean, because if they play the Rams, who if they get in, I don't know if they will. If they have to play, okay. Packers. If they had to go to Dallas, Minnesota, they could lose to Dallas. They could beat the Packers because of this. They could beat the Packers because 
they might be able to bludgeon that shitty-ass Packers run defense to where they can control the clock, keep Rodgers off the field. The Packers don't have the receivers to necessarily expose the Seattle secondary. So to me, it's those type of matchups that have to happen. Hmm. But like, no, I, again, I do not think they're in the class. I would be shocked even with Seattle at home in week 17 if the 49ers lost to Seattle up there. I really would be. You know, and, and I know they already beat them, but I don't know if the way they beat them is, like, truly realistic going forward. Right. And we cannot stop talking about the Rams. You've mentioned them already a little bit. But yeah. every time we discuss the Rams, we have to have a, uh, a debate on Jared Goff, and we have to just go, go into whether he's good or not. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> because you know, it is, a, it is, and I still feel like he's one of the most interesting players uh, in in the league because he has thrown up those 500-yard games. Sure. But those are games where I, I was looking at some of the the numbers here. So what they do with him and mm -hmm. Sean McVay, certainly, uh, you know, Goff benefits from having him. Goff has the most yards off play action than any quarterback in the league. Right. So they definitely keep defenses on their toes. No doubt. With the, coaching. the play action and boots are huge. You know who's second, by the way, in that? Second most yards uh, from the play action? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? It is uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Another Cousins. Day. Okay, yeah. I would have been up there. I would have gotten exactly right. No doubt. Um, and yards after the catch yeah. for, for the Rams, there's no other team – um, actually, there's no other quarterback that has more yards after the catch yards than Jared Goff. Okay, so are you going to give Jared the credit there, or are you going to give the receivers the credit? Exactly. But you And know, then you also talked about last week against Arizona, nobody threw it shorter the whole week in the NFL right. than Jared Goff did in that Jared game. Goff. So, again, we're not going to give Jared Goff the credit. Jared Goff is good. Like I've always said, he's good. But is he all good. that he need, they need him to be? Uh, yeah, you're right. No. I mean, I mean, no. I mean, is there all he needs to be? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're right for the most part. There's just going to be those handful of times every year we're like going to go. Super Bowl, maybe. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. There's going to be three or four games every year we're going to go, can he carry them through this moment? And that's been very 50-50 at this yeah. point of his career, less than 50-50 really. So, you know, again, I like Jared Goff. I know people don't think I like Jared Goff. I do. But just when people try to tell me because the Rams went to the Super Bowl, Jared Goff's one of the five best quarterbacks, I go, no, that's a fucking dumb narrative. I'm sorry. And that's where, that's where I find it my job to fight dumb narratives that are out there. That's what I try to do. In his defense about the yards after the catch thing, the Chiefs have more. They're the only team with more than the Rams. So that's an Andy Reid, you know. You sure. want that. That's what I, you want I, Yeah, I so can Patrick see. I, listen, a I hear you. Saints are third okay. with Drew Brees and right. Sean Payton. And the 49ers are fourth with Jimmy there you G go. and Kyle. So it's, it's funny. It's like all the really well-coached offenses yeah. are near the top of that list. And so that shouldn't necessarily be an indictment on Jared Goff just because he's got a pretty good coach no. with well, a and good I, system around him. I agreed. And I think, like, the context of that is, you, you know, again, I think – Jared Goff, Breeze, they throw a lot of short passes, and that's how the, the game's designed. Garoppolo throws a little bit of both. He throws it aggressively down the field, throws short passes too. I think probably where his guess got, gets skewed is Shanahan's amazing in the screen game. Yeah. So there they get that. And then the other thing is to throw Mahomes in there. Listen, Mahomes is a different animal, 
Mahomes gets the benefit of that. You know, yes, they're pretty good at screens, but because everybody's 95 yards downfield because they're scared of him throwing a 95-yard bomb sure. over their head. Yeah. So now the guy that runs the shallow cross after three guys are running bombs, he's wide open and gets to run after the, the catch. the ability to throw deep so is what opens it, up. So it opens it up yeah, through his yeah. talent. His talent has opened that up, not the system and the coach is the difference there. That's a good distinction. Okay, yeah. thank you. Did you like that I, I did like that one. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. All right, anything more on that one? No, I think, uh, I think we're good. Okay. Um, Rams D played really well. Jared, Russell Wilson did not play his best game. That's all I wanted to say. Russell Wilson missed a few throws. And also, when you get back into plays and things like that, hey, when you're down, you know, 14-3 and you're driving and you go for a fourth and two and your receiver drops the ball, and then on the next yeah. series you have a third and seven and the tight end drops the ball, and then the team goes down and scores again, you're in deep shit. It's the NFL. Three or four plays are going to matter. And a game like that to where clearly the Rams were the better team on the field that night, and the Seahawks needed to make those plays to hang around to see if maybe they could make something happen to actually win the game. But then they fell too far behind to where it didn't matter at all. And Russell Wilson's been playing against an offensive line that hasn't really protected him that well the past couple of years. Nope. He's the second most blitzed quarterback in the NFL to Jameis Winston. So they're bringing pressure on him. It's, it's been it's hard for Russell Wilson. He's produced despite that. Yes, it, it, it is hard. Well, and they blitz, they blitz him because their offense is not overly complicated either. Yeah, so where teams kind of know like, oh, they're not like going to scheme us to death. They're just going to like send people on a go route and Russell's going to have to throw a money ball. And he does a lot of the time. But I did think, though, just to end it up, yeah. Russell played – I thought one of his more poorer games the whole year. You do think that? I do. Yeah. Okay. You know, despite those drops that weren't his fault, there was a number of other plays where I went, oh, this guy's open, and I don't know what Russell's looking at. Or he kind of panicked in the pocket a few times for no reason. And little things like that uh, where, you know, listen, you don't see him do that a whole lot, but I did think this was one of those nights. And we've done this uh, ten times Rashad this game Penny now. hurts them too. What do you mean? And it really hurts that he's out for the year. Like, it really hurts them because Chris Carson's a pounder, a pounder, a pounder. I love Chris Carson. He's, he's great, but, like, he's not going to make that extra guy miss to get a 40-yard run. He'll break a tackle. He'll break a tackle and make, a, like, a one-yard run six yards. Yeah. That's where he's great. But he doesn't have the speed to, like, oh, the hole was big, now there's a safety in the hole. Can he make that guy miss? No, he's going to run him over and maybe get three extra yards. And it would become a 12-yard game. Rashad Penny was that type of guy. It was a great complement to each other yeah. where he could go in there and make that guy miss. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, that was a 40-yard run. And not having him will hurt them in the screen game and the run game. Wouldn't that be funny if Seahawks fans are like, oh, man, this guy's a bust. And then they lose and they're like, oh, man, this guy's out. I, they're going to realize that it's going gonna, gonna to hurt them. Okay. All right. Are we really done? Yeah, we're done. One? I'm sorry. Okay. I, I can't help it. I just, like, I don't watch all this film for, like. You did the I, work. I know. I got to get it out there. I 100% agree. And, you know, then I also don't want people to, like, watch it and go, wait, you never said anything about this. And I'm going to go, well, damn, like, I watched it, but I didn't get a chance to say and it. I wrote it down. I was going to say it. Right. But Ahmed wanted to do something else. Yes, what right. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, I am doing a really cool thing. I know you know about it. My Campbell's Chunky Chats. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, Chunky Chats presented by Campbell's. Really cool. Everybody knows Campbell's Chunky Soup, okay? I mean, come on. Uh, it's uh, been around since yeah. we've been around, right? I mean, I can Russia. remember growing up watching Campbell's Chunky Soup. It, you're sick, it makes you better. Well, That's well what, you know, it's uh, like 100%. I'm a soup cured. guy. I am you, a soup you, guy. I, I can you know confirm that. that. Right. You we're s- like, what time are we doing the pod? It was like 2 o'clock. And you're like, 
Well, 215, Chris has eaten soup. Yeah, right. He's, double, <laughs> he's got double-fisted soups in his hand. But throughout the rest of the season, I'll be sitting down with former NFL players as we discuss the many ways that football is family, which, hey, I'm always a fan of that, and I'm really grateful that uh, Campbell's is, is going that route and making me a part of it. In the, la in the latest episode, I interviewed former Pro Bowl wide receiver Santana Moss and asked him about one of his final college games. I want everybody to see this clip real quick. One moment stands out the most. It was senior day in college. That was my last game at the Orange Bowl. Right. And I remember them walking me out, and I got emotional. And I didn't want to see them. I didn't want them to see me cry. Yeah, I didn't sure. want to cry because I tell myself. I know, that's a tough day, moment. I had no that crying too. Yeah. football. Right. That's how I believe that to this right. day. And I said, Mom and Dad, thank y'all. Right. And I went out there and put on the show. It was performance second to none that I ever done as a University of Miami Hurricane. But it was for them. Mm. That's cool. It is cool. And, of course, he had a younger brother, Sonoris Moss, who played in the yeah. NFL, too. And so, I mean, truly, football is part of his family. I love the I love the small wide receiver with a little bit of attitude. Oh. Uh, you, know, nothing, you know, there's Steve nothing cooler. Smith, right. You know, like, it's, there's nothing like it. They're fearless. They, they're, they'd they're fight cool anybody. Watch. They were fearless over the middle. But uh, to hear the whole thing, head to NBC Sports' YouTube page. And, uh, again, a special thanks to Campbell's, Chunky's, uh, Chunky Soup and, the, and their team for making this happen. I really enjoyed it so far. Did another one yesterday. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but oh, no. Uh, yeah. Give us the position. Um, wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. Can't tell you. Can't. A deep, deep threat. Deep or, threat. Or a little more the... of an intermediate kind okay. of guy. And All he's right. got a really cool story because he's missing fingers now in his part of oh, life. Wow. Yeah. I'm not okay. telling you who it is, so you have to tune in to the All next right. one. He's missing fingers and is wearing like a Terminator hand. Okay. Have you seen Terminator? I have not. All right. I, He's wearing a, a mechanical hand now with yeah. one finger. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, and I feel it really, like I should know who that is. But yeah. I I, I, honestly, I didn't know the story either until okay. they told me I was coming. I didn't realize wow. this accident had happened. But it's been really cool so far to do that. And uh, hey, to speak to that senior yeah. day when you're in college and like you're getting ready to play a big tough yeah. football game. And then you, that moment hits where you run out of the tunnel and you got to go hug your mom. And you're like, man, this is my last game in the stadium. Oh, man, is that emotional. Wow. Like, that was hard. I remember we were getting ready to play Texas A&M, and I was fighting tears back. Like, so I was trying to, like, yeah. not, like, like, let's not break down and cry right now. I can cry after the game. This it's is not a big the game. toughest moment for a football player in his career is when he's crying on the field. <laughs> yeah, players, and it's right? not even that like you're you worried about that. that tough. But you just don't want to wear your emotions out either before a game that's going to be emotional. Totally. Right? Yeah. But I was at Notre Dame for the the senior. Oh day. yeah, yeah, you were and there, we were, and we had. Uh, you we saw had, it. We had Dalen Hayes on the broadcast who walked, but he's coming back next year. Right. Uh, but he got a little emotional seeing some of the guys out. There. I. It's it's. See, it's you spend every day with those guys, right? It's okay. it's different. Okay. I, All right. I want to do a little something here. You you talk about the trust tree. The trust tree. And uh, what, what's the, what's the history of a trust the tree? The trust is tree is like you know like I would talk about like a quarterback with a receiver where I started to go, oh, this quarterback, like, he's officially gotten the trust tree with Tom Brady is or it, somebody like what that. Is, what's the, do you go by a tree and just talk about how much you trust each other? Or what's the deal with it? No, well, it's like there's the, uh, there's the circle of trust from Meet the Parents, right? Yep. Meet the Fockers. I yep. can't name any of these movies. I know you haven't seen any no, of them. I know. Old, is it a line from old and school? There is, it's the trust tree when Frank from old school, Frank the Tank, Frank the Tank. Oh, yeah, yeah. He okay. is at psychological evaluation with his failing marriage, and he starts to tell them why his marriage isn't working, By and that his mind wanders about what women's underwear may look like. Yeah. And they start to look at him weird. He's like, wait, 
I thought we were in the trust tree. The trust tree. Right, and that's where the trust There's tree the comes trust from. Tree. Okay. Right. We should have gone over this before the, the podcast. <laughs> I think it was better to do it right now. <laughs> okay, I good, think this good. is perfect. Good. Okay, so here we go. So we, we got the trust tree. Yes. And what I want to do here is we're going to list like seven things. Yeah. And whether you trust them or not. Okay. And we're going to place them on a Christmas tree. You can't see this, uh, but I've drawn a Christmas tree Whoa, here on YouTube. special. Oh, you might actually be able to see that. It's a nice Christmas tree. And what I want to do is the higher up this thing is on the tree is yeah. the more you trust it. Hey, I'm into my tree. ornaments. Like my special ornaments in my house have to be in a special yeah. spot on the tree. So speaking of ornaments, there yeah. is a special ornament out there that was tweeted in by one of our fans. What? Our YouTube audience right now. That is you. That is Chris Sims throwing with no helmet on the run on a tree. It's an ornament of you. Did you know you had that? I had no idea. I, I'm, I'm honored, though. I really am. At, at the official Bri, uh, Bri W. At the official Bri W. Man, that's really cool. You uh, didn't know that. You had no idea. Nope. Yeah, throwing lefty. It's, I mean, throwing on the right, correct foot for throwing on the run, right? I mean, it's accurate. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Um, man, that's, I'm, do, I'm really honored to make, make your Christmas tree at the official Bri W. I do think there's a goatee. On the, I don't think so. I, no, I think oh, I see something. Yeah, you're right. I did. I used to flirt with the goatee. Oh, you did. A little chin music every now and then, <laughs> so I didn't look like I was 24 when I was 24. You know, it's oh, a man. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that with the goatee, and I did search Chris Sims goatee to see if there are any pictures out there of that, and there were not. There was not. There were not. Okay, good. So I thought that was just a mistake. But now we've confirmed. Wow, I'm, I'm actually really honored there. I can't even lie. Okay, totally. we, so we have the tree. We're gonna yep. put the Chris Sims uh, ornament at the top of the tree because I trust that most right. uh, of anything. Big trust. Big trust. Thanks. Um, but okay, let's start with Matt Lafleur. Yeah. And the and the Green Bay Packers. How much do you trust Matt Lafleur in the playoffs? First time in the playoffs, leading Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You know they've had a pretty good regular season by all accounts. Yes, here. they have. Uh, maybe a rough, rocky start before the season began with you know the push and pull of of the quarterback and the coach. But yep. Now at this point, how much do you trust, and where on the trust tree? Would you place Matt LaFleur in the Man, playoffs? Man, I do have trust for Matt LaFleur. I do. Um, I want to say, like, upper middle. Okay. Is that okay with yep. you? Upper like, I don't want to put him at the top there yet, but I, it is upper middle. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Matt LaFleur and that offense, again, I wish they were a little more patient, patient with the run. Like, I think they could have done that again against the Washington Redskins last week where they got away from it a little at too, at too many spots. But, you know, this is where I trust him. Other than the 49ers game, the Packers come out rolling in every game. And I don't know what their stats are in the first quarter and things like that, but I would imagine they're pretty good because they overwhelm you with some new wrinkles he has in the game plan, uh, some, and they're aggressive too. It's not like, oh, we put a new wrinkle in to throw a five-yard pass. It's like, no, we put a new wrinkle in so Rodgers can throw a 60-yard bomb, sure. and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, what, we're down 14 nothing on the road in Lambeau or whatever it is. That's what they do. And they had those opportunities in this game and didn't really take advantage of it. So he'll run the ball. He'll design some plays like that. Always has a few screens to go with it as well. Yeah, I, I, do, I do trust him. Okay. Uh, you know, my big thing with Green Bay is, is there just enough weapons in the offense in general to beat the elite? I know they're 10 and 3 and they're really good, but they're like, they are, again, they are in the lower class of the upper class, yeah. like I would say Seattle. Aaron Jones has been good. I mean, he's, he's been good. They need to feed need, him a little bit more, I think. You think so? He's I been, do. Even more. I mean, his stats, when you, if you're running for 16, only 16 times for, uh, let me just get it right here and pull it up. If you're uh, running for 16, 134 yards, you're not running it enough. 
I mean, what, what is that yards per carry? Well, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to figure it out in time. But that's a lot. Mm. All right? I mean, what is that, nine yards a carry? I mean, roughly? We're waiting for Pete. Pete's usually right on top of it. Oh, but. yeah. Pete did a little uh, lighter lightus. This is... This is the longest he's ever gone. Like, he, he can find when someone Come on, drafted, Pete, hurry up. Like Holy cow, what is the average? Just get your phone but, calculator at that I see your face in the phone all, all wow. the time. This is really taking a lot 134 divided by 16. I would have. Okay, hit. it's eight yards a carry. I'm all right, forget it. It's a little over eight yards a carry. It's 8.7, 8.8. I'll beat him there. 100%, I know. 64 times 2 is 128. 16 goes into 64 <laughs> four times. A show. It's 120. I'm right. 8.375. Okay, so I was off by .4. A little high, but that's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Thank you, Pete. I would, if we were to set the over-under on how long it would take to get that calculation, that was way over. That I was. Lost oh, that yeah, I know. I'm disappointing performance by Pete D there. Okay, so he's middle on the he's middle on the tree. So hold on. Where's where's my trust tree? Where yep. I, I just lost it. Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. So here's the trust middle tree. Middle of the tree. And I, I misspelled his name there for a second, so I had to kind of start it with an F. And then I had to scratch that out. Oh, you're fucked up my Christmas tree already? Already, I know. Jeez. Okay, so number two uh, on the list what an here asshole. is uh, Carson Wentz oh. with no weapon. So we <laughs> yeah. got the Eagles team, who I heard you talking to Mike Florio, and you're like, I don't even want to see them in the playoffs. I don't right now. not exciting. I don't. You go, nothing against Doug Peterson. I have a lot of respect I have a lot of respect. Him. You have a lot of respect for Carson Wentz. Uh-huh. You just do not want to watch them on TV no, right now. No, no. So, so where on the trust tree would you put Carson Wentz with his zero weapons? With right his zero weapons? Like, yeah, because I trust Carson Wentz. Yes. But the zero weapons are, like, they're, they're towards the bottom middle. Bottom like, middle. Bottom middle. Okay. Yeah, down there in that region somewhere. Right here? Okay. Yeah, that might have been a little too low, but either way, who cares? Okay, I'll, I'll put it up higher that's, here. That, that's good. I like yes. that there, yes. Because okay. I do trust Carson Wentz. You know, I still am a believer in Carson Wentz and his talent. I mean, anybody out there watching that game the other night, you got to see the talent the guy has. I mean, come on. There wasn't a receiver open the whole night. Every ball is like, you got to throw a rifle right here into tight coverage or we can't do anything on offense. Uh you know, they're, they're a team in general. Like, yeah, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I'd rather see the Cowboys. Uh, also, yeah, they, but, they, but they've done that before where they've gotten into the playoffs and it's like, whoa, all of a sudden, I know Nick Foles is leading this team and they're. I don't think this is one of those. Playing. I don't think well, the, the one year they just missed Carson Wentz, right? So That's the team true. was still amazing. Last year, when Carson Wentz was playing, the team was hurt. And then when Nick Foles got to take over, they were just getting healthy, and he got to take advantage of that. But there's no Alshon Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson. You know, Zach Ertz is a real good player, but he's not a game-breaking tight end. Yeah. You know, their running backs are good but not great. They're going to have to tinker with their roster in the offseason for sure. I don't want to say they don't need to, like, overhaul their roster, no. but they need to do a little remodeling. Okay. They definitely have to do some remodeling. So the Patriots have fallen on tough times mm. here, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. How much do you trust, and we're on the trust tree, would you put Josh McDaniels, his ability to yeah. fix the Patriots' Ooh. offense? So his ability in the final three games and into the playoffs to fix what is wrong with the offense, where would you put that on the trust oh, tree? Oh, man, you know me. I have the greatest respect for Josh as for working for him and playing for him and just evaluating him as a, in my TV career and all this, where I want to put him right around you know again he has lack of talent around him yeah. I want to put him more so it's not an indictment on him if you put him low it's on, on can he fix this current situation this year yeah I, I and I think that I would probably put it a hair lower than Matt LaFleur mm, okay. so it's like that upper middle but I'm going to put it a little lower than Matt LaFleur 
for two reasons. Tom Brady's not Aaron Rodgers at this point of his career, all right? So that's one thing. The Packers O-line is better at pass protecting than New England, so that gives an advantage there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I think it's fair to say Aaron Jones is better than Sony Michelle at this point. Uh, and, you know, Josh is working with new guys in Muhammad Sanu and Nikhil Harry. So that's where I just say Matt LaFleur and his situation gives me a little more, I'm going to give him a little bit better position in the Christmas tree than I am Josh. It's not an indictment on Daniel McDaniels, like you said. It's, and we're very hesitant to yeah. write off the Patriots for obvious reasons yep. because we've seen it before. I mean, right. we saw it last year, right, yeah. where at the end of the year you said it, you you were you were talking about Tom Brady and Patriots fans were like he's done. I yeah. we're scared. Right. You're talking them off the ledge right. as opposed to what seems to be happening all the time is where they're like, how can you not love him more than anyone else? It was the Patriots fans last year that thought hundred percent in this year, and then they figure it out. Yeah, I don't know if they can figure it out this year. I, I, yeah. I think that you know this year they're going to have to rely much more in the defense in the playoffs and things like that than they did last year, and they're good enough to maybe where they can pull that off. Pop quiz in the middle of the trust tree. Okay, pop quiz, yep. Since week seven, the Ravens have scored touchdowns at the highest rate per drive in the NFL. Who is second? Which team is second? Since week seven? Since week seven at scoring TDs at the highest rate per drive in the NFL. Mm. Who's number two? I'm pulling up. I would have gotten this. Get the teams. I am. I'm pulling up the teams as I sit here right now. I feel like I would, I would not have gotten this. <laughs> Pete says it's not the Giants. It's not the Giants. I, I mm, per and it's just it's per drive. Per drive, TDs per drive. I, I know you're going to come somewhere out of left field to this one, and I, I, I really almost want to say the Tennessee Titans. Oh, you got it! Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. I thought you might go there. Yeah. And that's not that cheating. I'm just on my standings right there. You not, just were on the teams. teams. You yeah. were on the teams. Yeah, uh, but yeah. they're on fire right now. Ryan Tannehill, right. Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Uh, whose first start was week seven. So since week seven with Ryan Tannehill, this offense has been really, really good. I did kind of do that in my head, too. I was like, wait, he's 5-1 and one or 6-1 and one in the starter. I was like, it's uh, around that time. So I, I, I did play that angle as well. I would have guessed 49ers. Uh, I, I would have made them. Yeah, you're right. They were, well, they crossed my mind. Yeah. 100% crossed my mind. Um, so where do you place Ryan Tannehill versus the Texans in those two crucial games? Mm. You win them, win them both. Mm-hmm. You got the division. So how much do you trust Tannehill in those two games versus the Texans? Like, I want to put him in the bottom upper part. Okay, so like you, up here somewhere. Oh, so you're above I'm everyone getting, so far. I, yeah, I you am. You trust him more than Matt Lafleur, the Josh McDaniels to fix that. I, I do. Yeah, okay. from what I've seen, first of all, the man's on fire. Yeah. I mean, he is on fire. And when I say that, and and I watched this film just before we started the podcast, like his his throwing is off the charts right now. Every throw is on the screws. It's piss missiles all over the field. <laughs> it's perfect spirals. It's, you know, the accuracy to let guys catch the ball in full sprints where they don't have to break stride. It's throwing in the tight windows. His ability to move and run and be tough in the pocket, all of it is great. Last week, uh, just to hit this real quick, was the first game I went, they played through Ryan Tannehill this game. They didn't play through Derrick Henry. Mostly it's been Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. 
oh, here's a shot from Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, shot from Ryan Tannehill. This game this past week against Oakland, it was shot from Ryan Tannehill, shot from Ryan Tannehill. Here, Derrick Henry, shot from Ryan Tannehill, shot from Ryan Tannehill. Here, Derrick Henry. It was a different formula. And they're doing more on offense because he's giving them more confidence on offense. Him and A.J. Brown, man, that's a nice little combo right that's now. That's really nice. I mean, A.J. Brown's a lot like that Debo Samuel guy in San Francisco. They have a lot of the same characteristics. Tough, physical, they're weapons. Ryan Tannehill yes. has 11 scrambles this year. 11.4 yards per scramble, there you better go. than Lamar Jackson Woo. in his scrambles. Well, hey. So Lamar has more scrambles, but still 11's quite a bit. Hey, I and mean, uh, look, Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver on scholarship at an SEC school in Texas A&M. He will be here. So that bold, tells you. Here's my bold prediction. Yeah. He will be in your top 13 next year for top 40 quarterback he's, in the NFL. He's definitely going there, 100%. Okay. So I mean, right as we are right now, where I mean, would he, he, be? he would have where to shit, where, shit where the bed. You, your gut. I know you haven't looked at it, but where would your gut be? I mean, top 10? Yeah, I think somewhere wow. between that wow. 8 and 12 range is pretty fair. I think you're right. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. So it's Ron, been phenomenal. Yeah. He's, yeah. Been, he's been really good. And it is. He's just been hurt yeah. in the past. You right. know, he hasn't had the fully healthy years. He's always been pretty good when uh, he hasn't been on great teams and so it's, it's fun to watch him Devlin Hodges versus the Bills defense so that's what we're talking the big Sunday night game on uh, on NBC first time in 12 years mm -hmm. the Bills have been on Sunday night Devlin Hodges versus the Bills defense how high or low on the trust tree do you put him oh that's a good one I do trust Devlin to not make stupid mistakes okay now I don't think he's the kind of guy that's gonna make a whole lot of plays either um, but I think he also realizes like he has a Super Bowl defense. And so within saying this, I'm not saying like he's not going to tear it up this weekend. But you trust him not to, to screw it up. To screw it up. Okay, so where would I'm going to put him just I'm going to put him in between McDaniels and Carson Wentz. Okay. Somewhere in there. You know, I don't think they're going to give him a whole lot of opportunities to mess the game up. I think they will try to win a, like I said, a 16-13 and 19-17 type game. Okay. All right. So you, you you don't trust him a ton against that defense, but who could no. you trust against that defense? No, right. And, you know, hey, let's have Tom Brady down there. Well, yeah, time. let's not forget, you know. I mean, last week they won 23-17, to 17 and, you know, they had a punt return for a touchdown and a few field goals, and that's what they did. All right, final two. Yep. Uh, how much do you trust Le'Veon Bell when he says he needs to go home because he's sick? <laughs> so the big story is that he was out bowling after the team sent him home. Right. Uh, Adam Gase wasn't totally pleased with that, although he said, what are we supposed to do? We can't tell him what he can do. We said he couldn't be around the team and he can do whatever. I wish he was home resting. But So how much do you trust Le'Veon Bell when he says he's homesick? Uh, well, this is a loaded question. One, they told him to go home. They Jared. did tell him to go home. And they told him also to start getting outside the house. And he had told them that he felt like he was good enough to play. Oh. Yeah, he told they told him, hey, start moving around more, get out of the house. Really? So now I don't know if going to the bowling alley and staying there to 1 p.m. is or 1 a.m. is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, I wish he wouldn't have done that. Just the op the optics don't look good. Um, but man, he bowled a 251. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty special. It may I, have been an indication. Le'Veon Bell is a football player. He understands it all. So, so you're gonna trust him when he says he's sick, that he's probably not feeling good enough to play football. Yeah, and they held him out. He asked to play football. They yeah. told him no. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna put, put him towards the top. Yeah, go ahead. I want Le'Veon Bell up there. Go okay. ahead, put Le him up yeah, there. Uh, I want a nice Le'Veon Bell. I spelled it. Wrong. Or ornament. Okay.
Man, your spelling and writing it's is really bad. Levon Bell. Yeah, Levon. Levon. <laughs> uh, but but you're right because there there's a big gap there. Being healthy enough to play in an NFL football game is different than being healthy enough to bowl. Right. I'm just gonna be honest. With well, you and if one. you know he felt like he was healthy enough to play, the, yeah, they still felt true. like he might have been borderline contagious, and they just didn't want it around. Last one. How yeah. much do you trust the Raiders fans not to tear apart the black hole in their last game at the Oakland Coliseum? Oh, we could put that at the bottom of the tree then, because they're. Right, I, I mean, I I, I I don't have like yeah. They're basically like you know that carpet on the bottom that goes around. Or we should make them like the tree holder on the bottom. They're holding. The and tree. this is a respect thing. Because first off, I would do the same thing. I would definitely try to rip a chair out of the Coliseum. Take it with you. Definitely. Yeah. Or rip something off somewhere. The Oakland A's still have to play there, but that's Oh, okay. that's right. Yeah, the hell with them. They're not the Raiders. They're trying to move. Uh, yeah, I right. definitely would so, vandalize or do something like so that. So there's our trust tree. I did not think that Ryan Tannehill would be at the top quick, of the tree. Quick story, like... When I used to see pictures of myself around the facility, I used to rip them off the wall and take them home. Oh. Yeah. Like, because I wanted a picture of myself that they put a big up in the facility. I used to rip them off the wall and like, take them home. Are we talking posters here? No, like, so they would have, like, so Josh McDaniels, yeah. if you, like, if you got, if we had a, even in the preseason, he would do this. Like, if you had a good game in the preseason and played well, there would be, like, these, I don't know, they're like big plastic pictures that they could Velcro on the wall. Okay. And when it gets towards the end of the week, I'd like look around the facility and I'd be like, oh, that's a cool picture of me right there. And I'd go, whoosh, and, you, and, and I'd take it home. And you have them to this day. I do. I have them, yes. They're not hanging up anywhere. Like, I have no memorabilia hanging up. I have all, stat, all this stuff back. I have Did, like all these cool jerseys framed yeah. from ex-teammates I played with. None of it's like sh being shown off. So people would not know that you would do this. No, I don't think anybody ever knew that. I don't. I think I may have said it publicly once, so here's the second time. So, they go, it's, I don't know it's if that's crazy. a salary cap violation or not, but if it is, fuck you. They Statue go, of limitation. They go, Chris played well, put his picture back up. They go, we don't have it. <laughs> we, lo we lost it's it. Gone. It's gone. Who uh, stole it? Chris. <laughs> that was fun. We should do that again. Yeah, I like that. Uh, last thing before we go. We can only do it one more time or two more times. Christmas is only here. Oh, that's race. true. We'll yeah. do it a different kind of tree, though. Right. Um, okay, so here we go. Before we go. Requiem for a team. Requiem for a team. So this is where we say, we bid adieu yes. to all the teams who have been officially eliminated from the playoffs, even if they have been eliminated for many, many weeks. Yeah. Um, all right, you ready? Yeah. Oh, and here we Some sad music. Sad. You hear that? Bye-bye, teams. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here lie the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that's been around for 25 years, yet has only given us three truly remarkable things, and two of them have been mustaches. <laughs> that is true, right? Gardner's mustache. And who's the other one? Shad Khan, the oh, owner. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's a special mustache. The third thing? Yeah. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy. Really good. Yeah, really good, good job. Receiver. Way to go. Way really to go. Receiver. Three things. Uh, the Jets. Here lie the New York Bye Jets. Ja wait, wait, hold on. Bye, Jaguars. See you later. Bye, Jaguars. Sorry. Where did your defense go? I don't know. Here lie the New York Jets, mm -hmm. a team whose most memorable moments this year were when their quarterback saw ghosts on the field and their coach saw ghosts in his introductory press conference, right? I mean, that, <laughs> probably the two most memorable moments. Yes, yeah, I agree. You're right. That was some crazy eyes. That was weird. Crazy eyes and the seeing ghost thing wasn't that bad, but it wasn't. Bye, New York Jets. Memorable. See you Jets. next year. Here lie the Los Angeles Chargers, a team so lost that half of the people in L.A. believe they still play in San Diego, <laughs> and the other half just wish they still played in San Diego. That might be true. Sorry, Los sorry, Angeles, sorry, LA, a.k.a. San Diego. San Diego. 
Here lie the Washington Redskins, uh -oh. a team that drafted a quarterback whose last name is similar to the team's nickname, hmm. and now both have a very good chance of being protested out of the league in three years. Oh, you're here, bro. I mean, it could happen. Oh, I know. It could happen. Oh, bye, Redskins. Goodbye. See you next year. I wonder who they're going to get a head coach. Uh, Jay Gruden, I think. Actually <laughs> He's coming back. Didn't do too bad. Yeah. Here lie the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The most highly entertaining losing team in NFL history, whose only way to stay relevant is to lock up Jameis and shoot for the league turnover record each and every season. It's can't miss football. Oh my gosh. It's I would, can't miss football. I'd watch every game. We'll see you next year, Jameis, Later and I know soon. you'll entertain us. And finally, here lie the Carolina Panthers, a franchise whose most incredible skill is taking generational dynamic talent like Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey and figuring out a way to fit them in to a nondescript seven and nine team. Congratulations. Congratulations, Carolina. Carolina Panthers. Panthers. I, I do it year in and year out. And will we see Cam Newton back there oh, next year? I hope so. I know, I do too. Him and, and McCaffrey together again with a new coach. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I totally hear you. I actually think there's a good chance Cam Newton can end up on the LA Chargers. I really do. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, they need a, they need a splash factor. That's that's if I if he's not in Carolina, I'm calling my shot. He'll be with the Chargers. And Rivers goes to the Panthers. Uh, yeah. Or I think this will be it for Rivers. I think it's I think it's 90 yard touchdown. That was kind of a low blow. It was weird. The I, guy helped him up yeah. after hitting him and showed sportsmanship. And then you go out of your way to yell in his ear when yeah. you're already up 24 to three. And that just made it 31 to three. Did you get that? The like, re did you see the referee there? I don't know who the yeah. referee was. Yeah. But he and he goes, get the f out of right. here. He, he, he right. He was. <laughs> I thought what did that he was say? Say it again. Get the f out of oh, here. Oh, did he? I don't think w that's what he said. He didn't say get the f out of here. He didn't. Well, they bleeped it out. I don't know for sure. Yeah, you're not sure. Yeah, I didn't like that. I like Philip Rivers how he talks trash. I get it. To me, that's like hitting below the belt right there. And I think the thing I think that bothers me more than anything that wasn't. It was pretty innocuous. I mean, he just said. 90-yard touchdown, but you say it's below the belt because of he was helped up. He know? was helped up and then went mean. out of his way to yell in his ear I agree with repeatedly. That. And my thing is, again, I just think this is where I think it bothers me. It's not even on Phillip Rivers. It's more that I think if the defensive player did that to the quarterback, there would have been a penalty thrown. But because it's the quarterback, they get the leeway there. That's just my thought. Are we sure that... You know, it's like one of those things if a tree falls in the woods. Are we sure that if there was no one around Philip Rivers, he would have done anything differently? No. You're, I feel like Philip Rivers that's would a valid point. in an empty stadium yelling, 90-yard touchdown Right, he'd be himself. talking <laughs> shit. You're right. He right. He's such a red ass. He is. He definitely is. Yeah. All right, that's it. Good cool. shit. I like Requiem for a team. That was pretty, yeah. yeah. Well done. You. Well Thank written. You. Well Thank written. Well, we just had it must have been your glasses that gave you that book. Yeah, made you smarter today. I made you look smarter. Honestly, sure. I felt like a little bit smarter Did today. Did you? And I felt like I, they say that you dress for success. You know, right. wear something that brings yeah. you up. Right. I, I dress for Well, next time, wear some badass glasses and maybe you can muster up the word fuck, okay? All right. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Please rate, review. You know where to get me. Get at me on uh, Instagram or Twitter, at CSimsQB twi uh, on Twitter at Sims on Button on Instagram. Yo, you the man, seriously. Cool. Okay, I'll see you. When are you in next week? Next Monday, Wednesday? 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 Okay, cool. Premier League. Premier League. Premier League. The okay. Premier League. I'm English. And I, you know what? I might have the courage to wear the glasses. All right, do it. Okay. Do it. Everybody out there, be good. Enjoy Jets-Ravens Thursday night. That should be actually semi-entertaining. I think the Jets will hang around for a little bit. Subscribe, rate, review. Peace out. We're done. I'm out of here.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.